0: Please be seated, and relax, and open up the, your Bible. If you open up your Bible to uh, 1 Samuel, so we're going to be in 1 Samuel for a little while. First Samuel chapter 2, we're going to pick up where we left off in verse 11, okay, the last time that we were together. I know last week we had Memorial Day services, and I preached a little bit different message uh, last week for that, uh, for remembering, right? Everybody remembers, right? And we need to remember. It's important for us to remember our past because it does what? It thrusts us into our what? Future, right? Everything that Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago, listen, we're to remember that. And we did the Lord's Supper last week, remembering his death, burial, and resurrection. We remember Jesus because Jesus is worth remembering. Amen? Amen? And we know he's the only hope for our salvation, the only hope for us to have eternal, everlasting life, is to know Jesus as our Savior. And and listen, if you want to make sure your name is written in that heavenly book called The Land's Book of Life, you need to know Jesus today as your personal, intimate Savior. And if you've never been a time in your past where you've asked Jesus to come into your life and to save you uh, from your sin, we're all sinners. You all had to come the the same route. There's no different route for different people. Jesus said, the way, the truth, and the life, right? You can't get to heaven except through What? The cross of Jesus Christ, through our Savior, who shed His blood to forgive us of all of our sins. and He did that two thousand years ago. But if you remember, uh, we're in First Samuel this morning. We will continue our journey through the book of First Samuel and uh, the book of First and Second Samuel. You know, it used to be all one book combined together, and then they had split it up. And then, but first, these books. I want you to know, these books are mirrors for us today. The Word of God is a mirror for us today. When we read it, it should be like a mirror. When we read it, it should reflect and help us to expose who we really are, right? And so that we we get underneath his word and underneath his blood and underneath, and that he would change us and transform us because, you know, it's one thing to be saved, but it's to live for Jesus the rest of your life is another thing. I Man, progressive, we need to progressively be sanctified. We're set apart at salvation, positionally in Christ. When you receive Christ as Savior, you are saying that is rock solid, baby. You hear me? It is rock solid. Nothing could ever change that. Nothing could ever blot your name out of, the, out of the book of life when you know Christ is your Savior. But as you live your life in servitude to him and to others, listen, he should be changing your life. As you go into the word of God, he changes your life. And you shed that old onion skin, right? And you get to the good meat in the middle, right? And he gets rid of all that draws and garbage in your life. And listen, and you end up becoming more like Jesus and less like yourself. In fact, man, we we are are to die to ourselves, right? The whole Christian life receiving Christ as Savior is an exchange life. It doesn't mean that you live your old life and you clean it up and you make it better. You can't. It's impossible. The only way your life can be cleaned up is that Jesus totally cleans you up. And then you stay with Him. You let Him lead and guide your life. You don't lead your life. You lead your life by allowing Jesus to lead your life. That's the exchange life. You take on the mind of Christ. You allow Christ to be everything in in you and with you and through you. And that's probably one of the hardest things, I think, for us to really grasp the whole of the get. It's about an exchange life. It's about dying to yourself. And as we go through today, we're going to say, I want you to hear the voice of God as we talk. The next couple sermons are going going to be about the voice of God. It's hard to hear the voice of Gotham. Listen, when, when we look at in our society, there, you know, there, 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 were, there were serious troubles, among other things, in the book of Samuel. In the book of Samuel, listen to this. It says, there's men ambushing women, there's wives betrayed by husbands, children gone wild, corrupt religious leaders, conspiracy to murder, deceitful politicians, power struggles, and horrors of war. So does that sound familiar? It does sound familiar, doesn't it? It sounds very familiar, right? So the realities of these two books, listen, will jump out at us because we see them over and over and over again in our own daily life and where we live. It's here in our neighborhoods, in our friendships, sometimes in our families, in our workplaces. It's everywhere we go we kind of see what's going on in life. And, and, and these very same things we're going to be learning about through First Samuel, we see it very well today because we all share the same common problem right what's that common problem we all share say it all right sin right absolutely it's sin we're all sinners right we've all come short of god's glory and we need the lord to remove that sin from our lives we need to do that it is sin. remember sin is at its roots is rebellion against god that's what sin is when we rebel against the holy god Listen, and we think we know what's best for ourselves. I mean, have you ever been there? I've been there. I've got that T-shirt. I would think I know what's best for myself. Or I would try to fix it myself first, right, before I would ever think about going to God. But there was a time in my life when I didn't even entreat or even think about God. I just lived my life for my own selfish self. And so and I think we have all can relate to that, right? I think we can relate to that. God did not give us First and Second Samuel to show us uh, the perfect world or even the best world. He doesn't give, it, give that to us for that. second Samuel exposed, listen, for careful readers, the horrors and the hope of a real world, that same world in which you and I live in today. First second Samuel presents a story of the main actor. Who's the main actor in the story of Samuel? It's not Samuel, it's Yahweh, Amen. right? It's the Lord, the Almighty, Jehovah God. It's who he is, right? And this is the story of God in the lives of his people. His people back in Israel and his people today, you and I. And so we need to go through this, right? Don't be confused. This isn't Israel story, but it is God's story. This is an Israel story, it's God's story. So many times we go back to the old testament, oh, it's all about Israel. No, it's all about God. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. From Genesis all the way through the entirety book, you know, that's why we need to know, that's we, why we need to study the Old Testament. That's why we're doing this study here in the Old Testament, going through First Samuel. So you can hear from God in your life today. It's just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. We will see that God invites us along to catch a glimpse of God's invitation as the actors in the book respond to him. Amen. We're going to see that. We have already been introduced to a couple of them, right? went to Hannah and to who? To Samuel himself, right? We saw Hannah's story on Mother's Day, if you remember that. Hannah's story in 1 Samuel chapter 1, remember, she was what? Depressed. She had little faith. She felt as a failure because she wasn't able to have a baby, right? And she was cursed and unhappy. Nothing but bad circumstances was going on in her life. She being made fun of. Uh, 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 by, by her husband's other wife and all this kind of mess, right? Which is they're all different myriads of problems. And it was a problem for Hannah. But see, God turned all that around in Hannah's life. Do you remember? She is radically saved by the Lord, right? And in chapter 2, we know she's saved because we see Hannah's worship. and Now she worships her God, right? And when she starts worshiping God, guess what happens? She praises him. She thanks him and sees her story in God's story. She sees her story in God's story. Do you see your story in God's story today? I pray that you do. I pray that you have your story in God's story today. I pray that when you go out there, you share his story through your story to the lives of other people that you meet. That's how the word gets out of who Jesus is. He uses all of us. To share his story through the salvation experience of our story and with his word and the holy spirit leading you and guiding you to all truth and it's a wonderful it's a wonderful position to be in she learns listen to know uh she she learns and knows god's character his holiness she knows his justice right and then finally she sees god's coming salvation for her and for the world why because she sees a coming king In that that first chapter, she saw the first coming King, who the King who is going to come after her. We see Hannah's life move. Listen, from emptiness to fullness. That's what God can do. From listen, from pain to praise. That's what God can do. From sadness to gladness. Because that's what God can do. Do you see that? From mourning in chapter one, right, to joy in chapter two. And that's all that the last time we talked about her, as we talked about her worship. We learned the last time that worshiping the Lord, what does the worshiping the Lord do for us? It should transform us. It should make us different than we were when we came in. We should be different when we leave here this morning than the way that we came in. Amen? Amen? I hope that you're different. Man, I hope that you're floating, elevating out of here because God has encouraged your soul this morning. Because, listen, worship should bring transformation in all of our lives. This is why we come together. Amen. It transforms because in true worship, why? Why does it transform? Because God meets all of us right where we are. Where are we at? We're in his house this morning. We're worshiping God. And I pray that God comes into your heart and changes your life. Right? It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. God meets us right where we are. He will meet you every time where you are. In fact, in, Genesis, in Galatians 2.20, I love this verse. This is how God meets us right where we're at. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul writes. And it's no longer I who live, hear me, but Christ lives where? In me. Does Christ live in you this morning? Have you exchanged your life for the life of Jesus Christ? We must do that this morning. And the life which I now live in the flesh, listen to this, I live by what? By faith in the Son of God. Is your life in Jesus? Are you in Christ? Is he everything to you this morning? That's so important for us to have an exchange life. And I pray you do this morning. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. Isn't that wonderful? passage the scripture. Are you dead to yourself this morning? And have you exchanged your life? For the life of Christ. Listen, if there's no exchange life, God will not meet with you. I'm just saying that. It's just He won't meet with you. There's got to be an absolute exchanging of your life for His life. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. Worshiping the Lord transforms our life, whether we feel it or not. It's not about our feelings. Our feelings are very fickle, right? Our feelings don't change us. It's not the feelings, but it's the power of a living God who comes in and exchanges. No matter how you feel, it's not about how you feel. It really isn't. Feelings are important in areas of life like relationships and family, jobs, but feelings are completely—listen to this—unreliable. Listen in matters of our faith. It's un—listen, un- it's unreliable in matters of faith. We nurture our need for a relationship with God when we worship Him. Man, I used to go down the road in my truck when I was up in the military, up at Fort Bragg, and I'd be going up the highway, and I'd be up there playing some uh, songs. And it's like it's like you ever had this experience? It's like you're singing a song and then it begins to speak to your heart. Right. And man, all of a sudden I'm driving and Tears are flowing. I'm like, OK, keep it between the lines. Lord. Keep it between the lines. Right. And so I'm going along. I'm a grown man. I'm in there and I'm, I'm bawling like a baby going down the highway heading to work to Fort Bragg, you know. And I'll be sitting there, and I tell you, I'm just it's like me and Jesus are in the truck, and, and, and we're going down the road, and I'm praying that he's guiding it, right? You know, It was just that good. Listen, have you ever experienced that? Where you hear the voice of God. God is speaking to your soul, to the innermost part of who you are, and he speaks, and he fills you full, and it overflows, and it just has to come out. It has to come out. You can't contain the power of God within your body. It has to come out. He has to come out. Man, have that. Search for. Look for that kind of a relationship with Jesus. Listen, it's real. It's as real as I'm standing here talking to you today. Listen, we need to nurture that relationship by worshiping Him. He meets us exactly where we are. No matter whether we're in the church or we're going down the road in the pickup truck, right? He meets us where we're at, man. That's why we need the mind of Christ. We need to think about Him in our daily activities. When you get out of bed in the morning, you should thank God for getting you out of bed in the morning, right? And then before you get out, what, what are you supposed to put on? <laughs> That's awesome. Good. Put on the whole armor of God, right? Put it on a piece of it. Put the helmet on. Put the breastplate on. The belt on. The shoes on. The shield on. And the sword. Take up the offensive weapon, the sword of the Lord, right? Which we're going to learn about that at Vacation Bible School, amen? So if you don't know about all that, come to Vacation Bible School. You'll learn it all, right? We'd love for you to do that. It would be really, really awesome, right? But see, but listen, God just turns things around. We are transformed. And she was transformed in her, in her worship, right? Uh, feelings are important, right? We, he meets us right where we're at. So my question is, how many of us at times have trouble hearing from God? Be honest, you're in church. How many of us have trouble hearing from God? Come on, there's, time, there's times, listen, there's times that even pastors will have trouble hearing from God. I don't, I don't discount myself. Just because I'm up here preaching the word doesn't mean that there's times of drought and times where dryness comes. That's right. Sometimes sometimes I can get so bogged down with a lot of things going on right. that I need to be still and listen out for the Lord, yeah. right? I'll give you an example. Like a, like how do you guys listen when you pray? Like maybe you're at home and you pray. You get up in the morning. You know you got to be at work at a certain time. You spend time with the Lord. And I pray that you do that, right? But sometimes we'll sit here and we'll pray, right? We'll go, to the Lord, and pray. Say, Lord Jesus, you know, help me in my day. Help me be an example to others. And this and that. Help me to do all that you want me to do. Help me, Lord, to love other people the way that you love me. Help me to just deny myself and trust you fully in all of my life through everything I'm doing. Amen. Right? You ever been there? You do that? How many times do you praise Amen, but then just sit there? Just be still and know God. Let him speak. Man, sometimes we do all the talking. Right? Listen, I'm guilty. I know. I've done that. We do all the talking, and it's like, man, I want you just shut up and listen? I'm gonna talk to you. Just shut up and listen to me, right? So listen, because listen, God designed us that God designed us to listen. I'll prove it. You got two ears and one mouth. Right? That's a fact you can see. Why does God give us two ears? One would be sufficient, wouldn't it? Not to God. I want you to listen twice as much as you speak. That might be a lesson for somebody out there. I don't know. Maybe me, right? So, definitely for me, right? So, but you see, hearing from God can be very difficult, especially especially when things are very tough. You go through tough times. I know the Martins that we going through a tough time. And sometimes you ever ask God, like, God, where are you right now? (laughs) You ever been there? (laughs) I've been there. Like, God, where are you right now? What's going on? I don't feel you. I don't see you. Where are you, God? And and, and listen, but he's always there. He never leaves. He never changes. He never leaves you. He never lets go of you, you know. That's the beauty of of the holy God that we have. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't let go of you. You might let go of God, but guess what? He will never let go of you if you're, a, if you're a believer in Jesus. He never lets go. Sometimes when things are good, it's hard to hear, right? Sometimes we, in the good times, we get, everything is great. I don't need God right now. And you get lazy about his word, lazy about prayer. Sometimes we want to kick back, take it all in for the moment. God's got me He's got me on this great thing going on, right? Listen, we live in a noisy, congested world. You hear me? We live in a very noisy, congested world. There's a lot of noise out there. One of the things that God showed me in that, and one of the things that I love about uh, how God shows us things, and listen, and when we engage God and we get involved in ministry, He has a way of showing us different things, amen? How many in you has ever been on a mission trip and took you overseas? Let me see your hands. Mm-hmm. I see a couple of you. I see a few of you, right? I want to encourage you. If we have a mission trip and we do a mission trip, and we're going to do some mission trips. I want you to go. You can go. Because I want to tell you what, God has a way of speaking to your heart unlike he would speak to your heart right here in the midst of all the noise and the congestion. I used to go down to Belize. Denise and I used to go to Belize. In fact, first time after I retired from the service, got in the ministry, uh, she had never went out overseas. So the first experience overseas, she went on a mission trip to Belize. It wasn't a vacay, you know what I mean? We went to the jungle down in Belize in Central America, right? I took my wife for her first overseas trip to the jungle, right? And that's what we did. We went down to Belize, wonderful mission station. We went down there. And I was so excited. I remember on the airplane holding her hand, and we're looking out the window. I said, "Honey, you get to go overseas. You get to go do what I used to do all my life in the in the career, my Air Force career, right?" And so we go down to Belize, you know. and We go down there, and it's just a it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Now I just lost my whole train of thought. What I was getting at with but anyway. But 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 no. This is this is what I this is this is what I came back. Thank you, Jesus. Right, So you go to Belize, right? We're down there for, how long were we down there? About 14 days or something like that? About 14, 10 to 14 days, something like that. We're down there in Belize at the mission station, and we're serving, man. Every day, we're doing vacation Bible school to all the kids that come out of the jungle. We go into the jungle. We do services and stuff like that. What a wonderful thing, man. I mean, we would drive on a bus way back in this jungle, unannounced. We'd come into this village under the canopy of the rainforest and all that mess, Back in there where it's kind of really dark in the daytime back in there, I think, for a reason. And then we come into this this place and this place where all these huts are and all these people. And these, all of a sudden you see kids come out of a hut and they run to the next one. And they run there and see all these kids are coming out and they're running all over the place. And I'm like, man, where are all these kids coming from, you know? And then there's a little building that's set up as a church. It's got a thatch roof, cinder block. It's got uh, windows, not really windows, but shutters that open. And we go in there, and next thing I know, that place is so packed, there's no room to sit. And it's people. And so we just have a church service unannounced, right? How many of you will go to church unannounced? Right, right, exactly, right? So there's a hunger and a thirst for God and and for them, for them. And so when we came in, it was like, wow, this is really extraordinary, right? And so we'd go down there, and we we would just have a great time. And you know what? Those 10 to 14 days that we were there... You know, by the end of the 10 to 14 days that we were there, it felt like we'd been there for 30 days. I kid you not. It feels like we were there for a month. And I'm trying to figure out, said, why, why, Lord, does it feel like we've been there so long? You know what i come to figure out? Because when we get back to the United States, all of a sudden it became so noisy. People are going everywhere. You've got things to do, people to go, places to see, work to do. Yada, yada, this and that and the other, right? And it, and it kind of drowns out. It drowns out the Lord's voice sometimes in our life. But when we went on a mission trip, guess what? We, guess what we were focused on? Jesus. <laughs> One thing. We're focused on God. We're focused on Jesus. That's the only thing that we had to do was focus on Jesus. And so that's what we did. We focused on Jesus. And by doing that, it just seemed like it took long for us to, um, you know, it took a while Like we were down there an extra long time and we were not. So, and I just thought that was interesting. So we need to, sometimes we need to pull away. Uh, going to and from, we go to and fro, right? And we had to focus, focus, focus. So, so in this life of busyness and noise and congestion and everything that's going on, when things are so noisy and you can't stand it, Monday and you're dealing with traffic, you're dealing with people at work, and you're dealing with whatever you're dealing with, and it's so noisy, you're like, ah, you want to pull your hair out, right? It's like you don't have enough time. I've never been here. I don't have enough time to do this, do that, do the other. And sometimes we don't. And so, but, but what you have to be careful of, you will miss the voice of God trying to speak to your heart. Somehow we got to hear the voice of God. You know, and it's not impossible. It's not impossible to hear the voice of God. I know this for a fact because, because of my wife, Sister Deneen, right? So we'll go out. Listen, we'll go to the store, to the mall, we'll go to Walmart, we'll go to the store, wherever. We go somewhere in a crowd of people, right? And I'm, you know, usually she goes and goes and gets what she wants to get. I go and look at the trinkets that men want to get, you know. And I'm walking around looking this and that. I don't know where she is. But all of a sudden, but she has this whistle that when she blows it out of her mouth, I'm like, you know, she'll blow it. I'll go, I mean, I'm automatic, man. It's like, I mean, it's her whistle. There's nobody else that does a whistle like she does a whistle. And it's automatic. And one day we were in the, in the store, Walmart somewhere. We're in Walmart, I also, I hear the whistle. She look, I hear, the, she sees me. I hear the whistle. I'm like a bird dog. <laughs> oh, there I am. And so, and, I'm, and I make a beeline. When I hear that whistle, I know I know I better make a beeline, right, to Sister Deneen, right? So so I make a beeline to Sister Deneen, right? And you know what's funny is? I see all the people in the store. They're laughing. They're slapping their knee <laughs> They say, Lord, girl, you got him trained, right? got me trained. so And that's exactly. But listen, they're going to show you that even in the midst of noise or whatever, when you know the voice of God and when he speaks to your heart, man, it should be boom. Your, your full attention should be full on. It's amazing. The voice of God, we call it still small voice, but when you're in tune with God, that voice can become very loud and alter your direction of your life. Know the voice of God. Now Hannah's worship in 1 Samuel 2 Contrast with the willful sin of Eli's children And dull division of the priest Eli In 1 Samuel 2.12 and following Right. So as we read the scripture today We will see the narrative of the story change immediately Listen, by presenting judgment of the priest Eli and his sons Not hearing from God Eli was a priest And his senses became dull to the things of God He didn't hear God right away he didn't hear. We know that. We know he didn't. You know why? Because when he saw Hannah in the first chapter, Hannah was praying to the Lord, but what did Eli accuse her of? Being drunk. Now, if he was really hearing from the Lord, would he have said that? I don't think so. And so it's interesting for us to see that, to, to, to see this. Listen, you can be distracted. You can be not hearing. I hope that's not due this morning. Look at verse 12. We'll begin right here. I promise you we'll keep going. Verse twelve, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. You might want to school worthless men. They did not know the Lord. They did not know the Lord. Some of your translations might say, and I like this translation, it's in the King James, I think. Sons of what? Belial. Sons of Belial. They were sons of Belial. The word Belial means the devil. But these boys, these two sons of Eli, who were supposed to be servants in the tabernacle, and this is the tent of meeting. And this uh, tent of meeting was, uh, 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 was set up on the, on, on, on the mountain there where it was set up at. And uh, I'm going to get to that here in a second. And, uh, and here they were. They were in Shiloh in Palestine is where the tent of meeting was. And so they showed up there. And, but these guys were there to be servants of the tabernacle. And listen, but they were sons of the devil is what the word says. They were not saved. They did not know who God was. And here Eli, the priest, sons hung hang out. Listen, in the tabernacle, they're ministering there. And let me give you the description here of what this looks like. It's like it's like, it's like like sending your kids to a Christian school. Right? So many times we'll send our kids to Christian schools, right? Which are not bad. It's not a bad thing. We'll take them out of public, send them to Christian schools. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Now, I love Christian schools. I flat love Christian schools. But, folks, come on. Where do you think the devil fights the hardest? He does. He doesn't fight the hardest. You might think he fights the hardest in public schools, but he's already got a lot of them. I mean, why are parents pulling kids out of public schools trying to put them in Christian schools? But listen, the devil's going to fight the hardest where God's people are. He's going to fight hard in those Christians. It's like he's going to fight hard in good churches that elevate the name of Jesus Christ. He fights us hard here. He will fight us very hard. And don't, and listen, make no mistake about it. Because listen, he wants to thwart the activity of, what, of the mission that God has all of us on. To make disciples of every person, right? To bring them to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and to make disciples of other people. And that's, and that's what happens, right? So, so, so listen, we need to remember that the devil was in the upper room when Christ had the last supper. You remember? Listen to this. Listen, Listen. if Satan can persuade, think about this, a third of all the angels out of heaven, he can certainly persuade people into hell. The devil is down here like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And he wants to devour you and me. And he really targets us as Christians so we're not effective. Listen, the room up in, the upper room was the most dangerous place to be in Jerusalem. Why? Because the devil was present. That's why it was a dangerous room. We must remember that the children who go to a good church and good school still need our prayers. Hannah had to pray for Samuel. In the midst, remember Samuel was at the tabernacle. She gave him to the Lord. He's there to grow up in the tabernacle. Think about the influence of Eli's sons in Samuel's life. And worse. It gets worse, right? When you think about it, here we have Samuel. He's in a dangerous place, and his mother is going to continue to pray for him. You and I must watch out. Why? Because the devil is like that roaring lion. He wants to devour all of us. Look at verses 13. And then in the custom of the priest uh, with the people, when any man was offering a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while uh, while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork. Now, these are the servants in the, in the tabernacle, right? With a three-pronged fork in his hand, then he would thrust it into the pan, and the kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up from the priest would take for himself. He took it for himself. Thus they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. They took from themselves, from the people. They took from the people, right? And it's much worse than that. As we'll go on. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing. Give the priest meat for roasting, as he will not take boiled meat from you, only raw. Verse 16, if the man said to him, They must surely burn the fat first, and then take as much as you desire, and then he would say, No, but you shall give it to me now, and if not, I will take it by force. Man, these guys were not right. These guys were totally dishonest in the Lord's work. Totally. Now this was a religious racket. If you know what a racket is, listen, it was a religious racket going on. They were hoodooing the people. They were taking advantage of all the people, rebelling against the holy God. In verse 17 it says, Thus the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men despised the offering of the Lord. Now I want you to think about their dishonesty and the effect of it. Listen, their dishonesty would turn away many people. Would you come to the house of the Lord? Where stuff like that is going on or will you run away from it? I guarantee you the Israelites were probably run and not come to the tabernacle. Listen, those Israelites saw that Eli's sons were doing what they were doing in the tabernacle. Instead of being drawn closer to the Lord, they were driven, what, further and further away. That's, what, that's why we need to be careful of how we live. And that's why we need to be careful not only how we live our lives, but how we also run our churches. We need to be cautious about, man, purity. That's why I don't, I don't jump after every other person that comes in here, you know. Some of the things I do, some of, I'm going through Timothy on Wednesday nights, and we're talking about the offices of the church. You know, and I've had people come in, and I'm, I'm a deacon. I used to be a deacon. I was ordained a deacon. And that's all awesome, and I love it. I love that it. it's awesome, but I don't really know you, you know. You're just coming in. And so I like to take, I take time. <laughs> I want to see somebody kind of prove themselves. That they are who they say they are. You know what I mean? I think it's important for all of us to be cautious about things like that. When we have people enter into our life in a relationship. You know? Not that you're just cautious. like you know, You're just being like, you just don't trust anybody. I'm not saying you don't trust people. I'm just saying sometimes you got to test the spirits. And they got to prove themselves, right? And listen, you don't want to be mixed with something that is totally oblivious to the things of God. I'm telling you. So... So, they, so, so instead of being drunk, away, we're drawn away. And so what happens is, if we're not careful, then we have hypocrisy in the church. And I'm not saying there's no hypocrites here, because if you think you're not one, huh, listen, you go into a church with no hypocrites, what do they say? There's always, then, then, you, then you are a hypocrite, right? So uh, every, every church has its hypocrites, right? And we do. And, the, and, and listen, and hypocrisy will destroy the church. It'll destroy the church from the top down, and it'll destroy the church from the bottom up. Man, we got to be real, true, through, blue and blue, who we are in Jesus. And we got to live the life that he has called us to live with a fervor in our life. It reminds me of what, and this is what happens when, when that doesn't happen. A friend of mine, Otis, over Calvary, uh, years ago, he and I used to minister together as youth pastors from different churches. And we'd come together with our youth. And uh, anyway, he'd always, every year, he would take a trip out to Oklahoma. And when he'd go out to Oklahoma, he'd go to a big youth Conference. It's a great big youth conference. He said that he'd come back. He'd be so pumped up and so excited. He'd come back. He said, "Brother, man, man, I just experienced a great thing. I mean, there'd be two or three thousand teenagers, and he was over there in the middle of them, and all these leaders were there, and it was just awesome, right? And then one year, after about three or four years of doing this every year, he would go out there. They had a tremendous bus ministry. They would bus kids in. They'd have two or three thousand kids. It was amazing. But one year he came. He said, he said, he said, I didn't go because they canceled it. I said, what do you mean they canceled? How would they, why would they cancel that? He said, here's what happened. He says, the bus ministry went out and got so many kids, but most of the kids that they got were just lost kids. And he said they were unruly. And what happened was they got so many kids that were lost that they